0: Verse 1 says this, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, why did they come to Jerusalem? Okay, why not go straight to Bethlehem? Jerusalem is the seat of power. Jerusalem is the capital city. It is the city of kings founded by the great king David. So if any king were to be born in this region, it would surely be in Jerusalem. And so the wise men make their way there saying, Where is he? who has been born king of the Jews for we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him now there is there is a lot of of history and tradition as to who were exactly the wise men and there's probably more tradition than there is actual history some people have taken liberties along the way just to say hey i believe this about the wise men and so it's got to be true but we have, we have this short passage in Matthew that tell us a little bit about the wise men. Uh, we have pa- a few passages in the Old Testament. But then we have just, again, a lot of history and a lot of tradition that gives us some information and informs what we believe about, about the wise men. Um, but someone came along in history and decided that there would be three of them. Why don't we say that there's three wise men? Because of the gifts, right? Because of gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's typically why we tend to think, all right, there's got to be three of them. But, um, but along the way, history has decided that the three wise men are representatives of the three sons of Noah. That they're the, the representative of the three sons of Noah. And if you have a nativity scene at home, right? If you have one set up on your mantle or on the coffee table, go and look at the wise men, okay? Odds are you will find a wise man who is black, one who is brown, and one who is white to represent the different races of the world, okay? And so um, this, this is kind of where a lot of our different races came from is from the sons of Noah and the directions that they traveled once they got off the ark. Okay, so in the Middle Ages, uh, someone came along and decided to name the three wise men to give them names, and their names are apparently Gaspar, Balthazar, and Melchior, Right, just in case that comes up on a trivial pursuit game that you play over the holidays. Um, Marco Polo was supposedly, supposedly discovered the town in which all of them began their journey. This is the explorer, Marco, Marco Polo, not the inventor of the game, Marco Polo, um, which it kind of makes you wonder if he's rolling over in his grave that that's, his name is attached to that. Like, of all the things that you could remember about me, this is a game that you play in the pool. But, um, but no, no one really knows. No one really knows some of these details. They're kind of filled in along the way. Um, they, they could have looked like this, right? They could have looked like just traditional uh, Arabians, Persians traveling across uh, the, the desert along the Silk Road. Or they could have looked like this, right? They could have looked like just uh, maybe not so much wise men, but more wise guys, you know? We're going to see the king of the Jews. We're going to see, well, that's what we're doing. We're following with style. What do you want from us, huh? So, these wise men, who they, history tells us that, that they are the Magi. That's how we know them. We know them as the Magi, and they come from the, the Medo Persian area, which is, is modern day Iran today. And they are a, a priestly class who once tried to overthrow the Persian government, um, but because the, per, the Persian king saw how much wisdom and input, uh, and, and saw how much they had to offer. They, they sort of transformed into royal advisors for the king, and this is how they sort of got their position. Uh, but they believed as as the magi, they believed in sorcery, astrology, divination, things like that. Um, there were some similarities that they had with the the Jewish religion. Uh, they were monotheistic, okay? So they believed in one God. They had practices of. Animal sacrifice, much like uh, the Jews would have as well, and so there's some similarities here uh, that that sort of walk alongside the Jewish faith. Okay, uh, the term magic and magician come from magi, right? So that's not too much of a stretch. Even the term magistrate, like you would hear in a government, uh, that term comes from uh, someone who's very influential within the state, who almost almost is magical in how much. Uh, uh, how much wisdom and input that they have to influence decisions of government. But the book of Daniel actually gives us a little bit of insight into who the Magi were. Because if you remember the story of Daniel, uh, Daniel is very important to the Magi because King Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, whenever he invaded Jerusalem, pillaged Jerusalem, his seat of power was in Babylon, was in in, uh, modern-day Iran. And he brought with him some of the, the best and the brightest minds from Jerusalem back to Babylon. One of them included Daniel. And if you remember the story, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream one night and does not know what it means. And is just flustered by that. And he goes to his advisors. He's, he goes to his magi and asks them, I want you to interpret my dream. And the Magi say to him, okay, king, tell us your dream and we'll do our best to interpret it. And Nebuchadnezzar says, no, I want you to not only interpret my dream, I want you to tell me my dream. That way I'll know if you got it right or got it wrong. Do this or I will have you put to death, right? That is a time in your life that you wish you were not an advisor to the king, right? No one wanted that position. And so Daniel comes along, okay, who, who is a Jew, okay, brought over from captivity, Daniel says, I cannot interpret your dream, but my God can. My God can do anything. And so Daniel, long story short, Daniel basically not only tells the king exactly what his dream was, but is able to interpret that dream and, and help uh, Nebuchadnezzar out in that way. And so from this act, Nebuchadnezzar elevates Daniel to sort of the ruling class, and he is now in charge of the magi. Okay, so think for a minute, you have Daniel who, who is going to have a, a vast wealth of knowledge of what the Jewish scriptures have to say, what the prophets say, what the prophet Micah said about this Savior being born, that this king would be born one day, this Messiah. And so the Magi are going to be heavily influenced by everything that Daniel brings to the table. Okay? So we can fast forward hundreds and hundreds of years and see we have these, these Magi, these wise men coming. To, to, in response to this great star. And so we're, we're going to pick it up in verse 3. It's kind of a long explanation as to who they were. But when Herod, the king, heard this, that they were traveling, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. Okay? And again, we'll talk about more on Herod, Herod, uh, Herod later. Verse 4, And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And so here we have Herod, king of the Jews, he should know the answer to this. He should know where this Messiah is to be born. Uh, he, that's not really something he's into. He's more of a Jew uh, by, by just being born into it. He's a king of it. Hey, I'm not really into studying the scriptures or really having much of a relationship with God, so I'm going to bring my scholars in. You guys tell me where this is supposed to happen. And they tell him in verse 5. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And so the Jewish scholars, this is interesting, the Jewish scholars and leaders, they they know where the Messiah is to be born, and they share this with, uh, with the wise men, uh, but they themselves do not go, right? They do not go. And the, we'll see that the wise men have traveled a, a great distance. And for them to travel from Jerusalem down to Bethlehem is about six miles. So it's not very far. And so this is, this is a classic case of, of having knowledge about the Messiah, having knowledge about Jesus, but having real no desire to follow him. right? And I think sometimes we can fall into that place as well that there's a lot of things that we know about Jesus, that there's a lot of things that we know about the Bible, but when it comes to us submitting our lives to it, eh, we could could hardly lift a finger to do so, okay? So, verse 7. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. Okay, so the wise men were in town, asking Herod some questions. Verse 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him... Bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And again, if you know the story, Herod does not intend to come and worship them, but instead slaughter any would-be kings that would come and usurp his power. Verse 9, After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy." Now, there are several series, uh, theories as to what exactly was the star. Uh, was, it a, was it a supernova, a champagne supernova in the sky? Was it uh, an alignment of planets? Some people believe that some of the planets aligned in a certain way. Uh, the most popular theory is that God is God, and he put a star in the sky, and he gave it cosmic Red Bull, and he could make that thing glow however he wanted to, right? Because he's God. Um, so they follow this star, they follow the star, verse 11, and going into the house, Okay, notice that they are now in the house, they are no longer in a cave or in a stable, some time has passed by, just like Becky and the kids had mentioned, some time has passed by since, uh, since they left, Okay, and they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. So whatever, whatever level of wisdom these wise men were when they left, clearly they are much wiser now. Right? They, are, they are in the presence of the king. They fall before the king. They pay respect and honor to this young boy. And it says that they, then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And so these, these magi, these, these wise men, come and they worship Jesus in several different ways. Right? First of all, they're coming from Babylon. If we believe that they came from Babylon, um, that is a journey of about 800 miles Okay, 800 miles. Um, if you were driving on the interstate by car, like averaging about 60 miles per, out miles per hour, some of you know who you are, you can get there faster, but it would probably take you about 13 or 14 hours, right? Like that's a long day of driving, but you could do it, right? Few stops. Uh, so our, our boys, the Magi, they are not hitting that top speed, okay? It doesn't matter what kind of Arabian steeds they have, if they're on camel, um, not, not getting up to that mark. Likely, they're traveling with the caravan. Likely, they're traveling with an entourage. So at best, they might be able to cover 20 to 25 miles a day. This is a journey that would take them anywhere from about 30 to 40 days, right? This is, this is a big commitment. This is a big commitment for them to make. And so they are willing to give up at least 40 days of their life to, to seek out this king that they know very little about. So so one way that they worship him is they worship him with their time. They worship him with their commitment. The second way they do that is obviously through their gifts. right? Three three very significant, very valuable gifts. Um, And the third way that they do it when they come to meet the child is is the text says that they uh, fell down and worshipped. And the term worship there is a Greek word called uh, Proskyneo, which means that they didn't just pay honor, they didn't just pay respects, but they, they worshipped Jesus as God. And there are, there are people in churches all across America, all across the world, that, that can be great at two, at two of these things. They can, they can be at church every time the door is open. They can make that time commitment. They're generous with their giving, um, but, but they fail to, to humble themselves and worship Jesus as King and as Lord. Right? There, there's something in us that even when, when we do the things that we're supposed to do, there's this sense of pride that's, that can sometimes well up in us and keep us from fully submitting, fully surrendering uh, to the God who loves us, the God who saves us, the God who was given to us. And so all of these things, the, the way the response of these wise men beg the question, how far are you willing to go to be with the Lord? Right? You have the, this group that traveled over the course of a month, whereas you had some of these leaders that were only six miles away that didn't respond. Right? How, how far are you willing to go? The, these men are searching for God. They're asking the right questions. They are, they're finding the right people, asking the right questions. How, how passionate about, about this are we? Like, are we asking people the right question? Are we looking for the purpose of our lives in the right places, right? Or do we go to TikTok? Or do we go to YouTube? Or I don't know what best fits this group, Farmer's Almanac. I don't know. Like, whatever it is that you seek out, like, for your wisdom, for your purpose. Like, we we look in a hundred different places, right, other than than our true north, right? The, The one direction that will line out everything in our lives, And so, what what effort goes into that? Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen says this. It tells us that you will. God says you will find me when you seek for me with all of your heart. Right. This this is a promise. Right. This is a a something that if we do, God promises to meet us as we seek Him out. And, And what I love about these wise men is that sometimes we feel like we have to have all the answers before we commit to something. Right? And in many areas of life, that's good. That, like, that's a good practice. But these wise men knew very little about who this king was, okay? what he would be about, what he would do. But, but, but they were seekers. Like they, they, they wanted to know that they put their faith and they put their trust in this thing and that they were willing to give their lives, to sacrifice their time to do that. And so uh, our time is part of our worship. Our gift, our giving is part of our worship. And us humbling ourselves, is part of our worship. And we know in the very last verse, in verse 12, okay, the story of the wise men ends this way, and it says, And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. And so we saw last week where Joseph was told in a dream, uh, to basically said, Believe Mary that this, that this child is from me. All throughout the scriptures, you see God speaking through people to people in dreams, right? We see it with Joseph and the coat of many colors. We saw it with the Joseph from last week. We saw it uh, through Nebuchadnezzar and, and Pharaoh and all of these different people. And it shows in so many ways that, that our God, he is the God of the heavens. He is the God of the earth. He is the God of the, of the conscious and unconscious. He speaks and he works and he moves in so many different ways. He is worth our time. He is worth our gifts. He is worth our worship. And when we, when we see him as He truly is. When we line our eyes on our true north and face in that direction, we will go by a different road. We will never be the same, just like these wise men. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for, we thank you that you are the bread of life, that you are, uh, the Bible doesn't say this, but you are the compass of life. Um, That I guess it tells us that that you are the way and so that counts Um, But you but you are the way father you are the way that we should live our lives You are uh, the the direction that we should travel you are the way that we should set our eyes And so father in the season as there are so many different things that compete for our time that compete for our attention that compete for uh, our our, whatever the case may be father I pray that we would fix our eyes on you in the season and god that we would seek you for who you are, and that as we seek you, that you would, you would keep your promise, as you say in Jeremiah, and that we would find you in it. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.